This morning, we, we want to take some time to have a little bit of a, a throwback service, if you will. Um, as we look to this new year, and if you've been around here, then you know we are literally edge of our seats, leaning over the cliff, anticipating the things that God is going to do in us and through us this year. Um, we are declaring before the year even begins that when we get to the end of this year, we will look back on this year and say we owned the year because there are options uh, we could obviously have the year bully us around and we can have the year kind of you know beat us up and at the end of the year we're wondering did we live well or did life live us and how did it go but we we believe that at the end of this year we will look back as a church and say we owned this year um, in fact, we believe God has already given us this year. The rest of it is just details. Um, it's just the details of saying yes and stepping into those places that he's calling us to step into. And in 2019, you know that, that God is calling us um, to journey with him in some pretty exciting ways. And we believe that owning this year, living the year that we already own, is about stepping into those um, those doors. So we want to kind of have a throwback this, this morning, and, and all I mean by that is we want to look at a passage of Scripture that was incredibly instrumental in shaping who we are as a church and what we are about as a church. So by the way, if you're a guest or you're newer, what a great week um, to be here to kind of get some sense of this. And if you've been here for a while, what a great week to be reminded of things that you're like, oh, we've heard this a thousand times before. Great! So let's live it a thousand times over. And so uh, we want to look at a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament book of Isaiah that was foundational. This chapter of Scripture is scribbled onto the strands of the DNA of this church. And um, so much so that this chapter we're going to look at, Isaiah chapter 58, we were tempted to, to sneak 58 somewhere into the name of the church, um, but uh, wisdom prevailed because that would have been super awkward here at Mission Point 58 Community Church. I don't even know how that would have worked, um, but super instrumental um, in what we believe God has called us to be and be about. So we're going to just work our way through this really clear chapter of Scripture and start to look at what does it mean for us to take the steps that the Lord is calling us to take uh, this year. Isaiah chapter 58, if you don't have a copy of the Bible, we're going to have the verses up here on um, the screen behind me, and we'll just kind of work our way through it. Um, for those of you, again, who've been around, none of this will be new. Um, in fact, when we moved into this building, we had this very conversation because we wanted to mark this place and we wanted to say, uh, no matter what happens, whether it's a new building or whether it's a new year, we believe we have the same old marching orders that we want to continue to, to follow. Um, Isaiah chapter 58. Um, God is having a conversation with his people because apparently his people have put God on trial. And they've put God on trial because God is not showing up in the ways that they long for him to show up. He's not moving in the ways that they long for him to move. He's not transforming their families and their communities in the way that they long for God to transform their families and communities. So they put him in the dark and they're asking God to answer for himself, why have you not shown up? And God is gracious enough not to scorch them, but to respond to their 
cry. And this is what Isaiah chapter 58 is. God responding to his people who are longing for him to show up and are disappointed that he has not. Shout it aloud, he says to Isaiah. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and declare to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions, and they seem eager to come for me to come near to them. Hey, Isaiah, talk to my people. Uh, uh, there are a number of things I want to tell them. And don't you dare hold back. Don't you dare muddy my words. Don't you dare dilute what I say. I want you to tell them exactly what I am telling you. Now, let me give them some props first. Let me give them some praise. Because tell my people, hey, they look good. They look good. I mean, they look the part. They, they even play the part pretty well. My people look pretty good. They pray. This is fantastic. They read their Bibles, which is great. They go to chapel, which is fabulous. They show up to church, and they serve, and they give. They really look good. They really look the part. Give them a, a few props on account of that. Everything about them looks like a group of people that longs to know me, a group of people that longs to see me move, a group of people that long to see me show up. Give them props. Um, in fact, I believe that my people are genuine. They are legit in their desire to see me move and my de their desire to see me show up, um, which is part of why they're disappointed that I haven't shown up, because they really long for me to, to show up. They're disappointed that I've not moved in the ways they long for me to move, um, which is why they're actually getting a little demanding with me, because I believe they really want to know me. They look good. They are playing the part pretty well. Um, but, but God's people are getting to the point where they're starting to ask God, well, what's the point? Um, what's the point? Uh, verse 3 says this, why have we fasted, they say, and you, God, have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed. By the way, the idea of fasting could be thought of the way we think about coming to, to church. Uh, you could use the word worship in place of fasting, because fasting here is speaking about the religious rituals and routines that are designed to engage, if not entice God, to show up and entice God to move. And now these folks have not just become disappointed that God isn't moving, but they're becoming a little bit demanding, and they're becoming a little dejected. They're asking, like, what's, what's, what's the point? Because we've fasted, we've, we've worshipped you. In other words, we've, we've come 
to church week after week after week. We've gone to the temple in their context, and we've offered sacrifices to you, our God. We've sang our songs, and, and we've listened to the messages, and we feel like we've done our part, and where are you? What's the point if you're not going to show up? We feel, God, like we've done our part. The problem is you're not playing your part. In fact, we feel, God, like you're a little bit in breach of, of contract because you haven't healed us and you haven't returned our children and you haven't restored our relationships and you haven't revived our community. We've played our part, but you haven't shown up. This is their contention with God. And God says, give them props because they, they look good. And, and I believe that the deepest parts of who they are, they are sincere in their longing for me to move. But here's my problem. Tell them. Don't, don't hold back. Uh, tell them why they're not experiencing me the way that they long to. Tell them, tell them, don't hold back why they're not experiencing my transforming power, not just in their lives, but in their communities as well. Second part of verse 3, God says, yet on the day of your fasting or your worship, you will do as you please, and you exploit all your workers and your worship ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. God says, I see you all. You all look good. Um, I see all that you do at church on Sunday. Great. But my problem is not what you do at church. My problem is what you do after church. You are great at church, but when you return to your regular programming, y'all are punks. That's the Hebrew um, here. Right? I mean, God says a couple of things, like you exploit your workers, like you who are in positions in, in companies or organizations, you mistreat your employees. It's not what you do on Sunday, it's what you do on, on, on Monday, and, and you backbite and, and, and you mistreat your, your co-workers. Forget getting to Monday at church. You all leave church, and you go to the restaurant for lunch, and you are demanding, and you are demeaning, and then at the end of it, you are super cheap in the way you tip your servers at the restaurants. My, my server friends will say... I cannot stand Sundays. I'm like, why not? Because the church folk let out of church and they are the stingiest of all tippers. Just say. Just say. It's like you leave church and then it's what you do after church that I'm concerned about. And he says you worship and it's great, but all the worship that you experience, it ends up in quarreling and it ends up in strife and... and it's almost as if when church is done, you clock out, and the minute you clock out, it's like the bell rings, and your little minivan turns into like a UFC cage, and you all start 
just grappling about this, that, and the other, and words are wounding, and dad is being sarcastic, and, and the kids are mouthing off, and it's just crazy um, in there. Or, or you head back to campus and then you start, you know, going off about this political figure as if this political figure isn't a human being and isn't a person. And then, Lord forbid, we get to our social media platforms and we start to absolutely lose our minds. It's not what you do at church. It's what you do when you leave church. It's the way you start to, to speak to each other the way you wound each other with words, and it all becomes drama and quarreling, and this side is fighting with that side, and that side is arguing with this side. My problem is not what you do in church, it's what you do outside of it. And God's going to get more specific. But then he says in the second part of verse 4, you cannot fast or worship as you do today, and expect your voice is going to be heard on high. Is this really the kind of fasting, the kind of worship I have chosen? Only one day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed? And it's speaking about the different postures that they expressed and that we might expect in a worship context? Is it only for bowing your head like a reed or, or raising your hands or whatever? Lying in sackcloth and ashes. Is that what you call fasting? Is that what you call worship? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is this really what you think I want from you? Just one day? And then you give me a couple of hours to go through the motions and you go through your rituals and then you clock out and go back to doing you. You think that's what I want from you. Is that the kind of worship you honestly think is going to shake the heavens and shift things in your world? Really? That's what you think I want? Nope. No, this one day a week mentality of church, this one day that we gave God a couple of hours and then back to us, you have this and then we'll have this, but while we're there, God, you better show up. And when we leave, you better move. And God is saying, mm. no, that's not the kind of worship I want. And then he says, Isaiah, Isaiah, tell them, tell them what I want. Verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting? Is this not the kind of worship I have chosen? I have chosen. That we could spend 17 weeks just talking about that. It's as God prescribes, not as we prescribe. It's what he wants, not what we enjoy. It's what he says, not what we think. Is this not the kind of worship I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice. Untie the cords of the yoke. Set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is the kind of worship I want, is it, isn't it the kind that shares your food with the hungry? 
and provide the poor wanderer with shelter. And when you see the naked, to clothe them and do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. This is the kind of worship I want, God says. I want the kind of worship that fights the injustice. That's the kind of worship I want. That when you see someone in a position of power mistreating somebody in a lesser position of power, when you see somebody using their influence to mistreat somebody with a little less influence, I want you to use your influence to interrupt it and make it stop. That's the kind of worship I want. When you see somebody at work who is being mistreated or disparaged because of their, their status or, or their, their race or, or because of their gender or because of whatever the case might be, I want you to get involved and do what you can to fight against that injustice. When you see the kid being bullied at school, you do something about it. You tell the teacher. If you know this kid, you tell this kid to cut it out. If you see it somewhere, you, you do something to fight against it. My wife did this to me just the other week. How dare she? Um... But man, she tracked me into a part of the house and she just said in no uncertain terms, the way you spoke to that child of ours was completely unacceptable. You went after them and you mistreated them with your words. I'm like, you don't know me. You know, I'm... I didn't say that, but I felt it. Um, and God's looking at my wife and he's saying, that's, ah, that's the kind of worship I want. You saw someone in a position of power called daddy in the house speaking to a kid in a way that was disparaging and you raised your influence voice and you said, cut it out. And God says, this is the kind of worship I want from my people. Not so much in their services on Sunday, but when you walk out of your services. See, because I love when my people raise their voice to worship me. And I love it even more so when the same voice they raise to worship me is raised to speak against injustice and is raised to speak against power that's being abused to hurt others. That's the kind of worship I want. Fight the injustice. This is the kind of worship I want to free the oppressed. Free the oppressed, he says in this scripture. When you see someone who's in a position where they are being robbed of life against their will, when someone is being held somewhere or hurt in some way against their will, I want you to step in and use whatever influence you can to break that chain. When you see somebody who's in a situation in which a cycle or a pattern is keeping them from living freely or living fully, I want you to step in, whether it's on account of poverty and the cycle of poverty that might have lingered in their family, but you become aware of it, and I give you a vision for how that can be interrupted, I want you to do something to break that chain. Or whether it's addiction, when you become aware of the fact that there's an epidemic of addiction, I want you to enter in and ask the question, what can we do to, to break these chains that hold these folks down? Or whether it's an abusive relationship, 
or an abusive context. I want you to get involved and, and, and look at what it means to help set a person free from that place where they are being harmed, powerless, and against their will. By the way, that, that's one of the reasons we love adoption and foster care, and that's why we will be a movement that, that, that stands for the vulnerable child in particular, because a child more than anybody else is stuck in a situation where they cannot do anything to unshackle themselves. And that's why we as a movement want to rise up and say, how can we use our influence and leverage our resources to help set these kids free? Because God would say, I love when you raise your hands in worship on a Sunday morning. But I love it even more so when the same hands you raise to me reach out to the broken and unshackle them from places that keep them in cycles of defeat or cycles of despair. That's the kind of worship that I want. I want the kind of worship that feeds the hungry. It is still daunting to me. That in our schools uh, around here, about half of, of the population is on, man, re reduced lunch plans. I mean, the, these are folks whose families are living below the poverty threshold and are struggling to put food on the table. And God is saying, the kind of worship I want is the kind of worship that steps into those situations and says, we refuse to let kids in our community go to sleep hungry. It's the kind of movement that says, hang on a second, we don't want to just ask God, would you fill us with your spirit? We want to be the movement that then on Monday goes and says, how can we fill the refrigerators of those who have little in our world? And God says, that's that's the kind of worship that I want. And I love the phrase in here that gives this idea of facing the hurting. I want you to face the hurting. The phrase in here says, and do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. This is such a practical phrase, by the way. Because God is not saying, hey, and I want you to fix all the problems everywhere all the time. That's, that's not what he's saying. But he is saying, I am going to put things in front of you because you cannot turn away from something unless you notice it. You cannot turn away from something unless you see it. And what God is saying is, my problem with you all is not the things that you don't know. My problem with you is the places where you've seen people who are being oppressed and people who are being abused and people who are going to sleep hungry. It's places where you've seen injustices that are being carried out by power and you have turned away from it. And you've said somebody else is going to deal with it. Somebody else on the hall is going to deal with our roommate. Somebody else is going to deal with that family down the street, even though we know there's an abusive situation happening. Somebody else is going to deal with this bullying situation at school. Somebody else is going to deal with the millions of orphans in the world. But if all of us say the same thing, nothing ever happens. And God is saying, no, you're not going to do everything, but I put in front of you situations on a regular basis. At your workplace, I will allow you to see see something, and when you see it, he says, do not turn away from it. I've put it in front of you for a reason. I have faced you towards the hurting so that you can do something about it. 
This is such a powerful passage of Scripture. And God is saying, my problem with my people is not what you do on Sunday. It's what you do on Monday. And the kind of worship that I want is a kind of worship that turns into mission on Monday. My favorite kind of Sunday worship is the kind that spills into the streets and becomes worship on Monday. And my people with their arms raised, their arms reached on Monday, and they figure out how can we help the hurting? How can we come along, alongside the broken? That kind of worship will shake the heavens, y'all. That kind of worship will absolutely shift the communities in which we live. Uh, when my wife and I were, were prayerfully processing being part of um, Mission Point's launch a little bit over eight years ago, this passage of Scripture is the passage that the Lord ultimately used to grip our souls. Um, we were uh, transitioning out of a, a church situation, um, and um, man, we had a, a blank slate. The Lord invited us out of that situation, and we had no idea where he was going to take us. And, and many of you have heard us uh, tell this story before. We had no idea where we were going to go next. We had no idea what doors he was going to open. So as far as we knew, we had a blank slate. And if we had a blank slate, nothing against Warsaw, <laughs> Winona and Elsa and the frozen tundra or anything like that. But we were like, man, we're going to go west. At that time, there was zero Starbucks in the area. I'm just saying. You would have gone with us too. Um, and, um, you know, there's no, there's no target, which is just a requirement for godliness as far as I'm concerned. Um, and... Uh, we love the outdoors. My wife in particular loves mountains. And I don't know if you know much about the Warsaw, Indiana area, but not known for our mountains um, so much. Mountain Dew, perhaps, but not the mountains um, themselves. So we were, we were going to head out and just go west, and we were making plans uh, to do that. And we were pretty settled, and we were pretty um, sold on, on that. And, and this was part of what the Lord used to shake us. Because in the process of even looking at passages like this, it became very clear to, to us, at least to me, that I had been in the church, and I had been part of the church, and I had worked for the church, but the majority of my energies were about Sunday morning. And how can we make Sundays more compelling? And, and, and the belief was if we can make Sundays more compelling, then people will come in from the streets and the church will grow. It wasn't the idea that, no, 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 I want the church to spill into the streets and then my kingdom will grow. And so what we realized is I, I personally had lived a very sterile version of church. And one of the visions the Lord gave me was a vision of us driving out of town, heading west with our U-Haul uh, mountains. Here we come. And the picture, as many of you have heard, was Jesus stopping us at the edge of our county. And then I get out of the U-Haul, and I'm, in, I'm envisioning this. And I get out of the U-Haul, and Jesus asks, where are you going? We're going west. Okay, cool. Mountains. Made them myself. But the, the question was, okay, okay, show me your hands. And the vivid picture in, in my heart was me showing Jesus my hands. And as I reached them out to him, I noticed that they were completely clean. Meaning as I looked at my hands, I noticed there was no dirt on them. 
there was no brokenness on them. That I'd kept these hands clean from the hurt and the struggle and the brokenness and the messiness of the hurting in our community, and I'd done very little to engage it. And that became such a vivid image in my heart. And I knew there and then we cannot leave this area with clean hands. We cannot leave this area with clean hands. We've got to be part of something that goes into the broken places, that goes and and comes alongside the hurting and deals in all of the messiness that Jesus would deal with if he were here because he is here through us. And in that same window of time, we were asking each other, like, if we knew we only had 10 years more to live, what would we want to do? And we were asking the question, if, if, if Jesus came back and he, he tore the clouds and he descended, what is it that we would want him to catch us doing? What would we want him to find us in the middle of doing and we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt church we wanted jesus to come back and find us in the middle of freeing the oppressed and fighting injustice and going after the hungry and figuring out how to deal with homelessness and just doing all the things we know he would do if he were here we wanted to figure out what does it look like to get the mess on our hands that jesus has on his because of the ways he came after us And when this church launched, that was in the DNA of what we wanted to be and what we wanted to be about. And we knew from the beginning that we will not measure success, therefore, by how many people come and sit in this room on a Sunday morning. We knew we've got to measure success by how many of the people who come and sit in this room on Sunday spill over into the streets on Monday with a mission, carrying the love of Jesus to the hurting and to the broken around us. And if we can see a movement of people who don't just sit here, but carry worship from Sunday to mission on Monday, we will know Jesus will smile on this church. And that's what we've been a part of for for years and years and years. And that's what we believe in 2019. Jesus is opening doors and saying, I'm accelerating the opportunities for you all to be able to live this out. And I'm just telling you, feel free to come see me January the 1st, 2020. If we dare to live what this passage is saying, we will get to the end of this year and we will say we totally owned that year. Not because it was comfortable, not because we got all of our dietary or our weight goals, but because we stepped towards the hurting and the broken and we took worship from Sunday and it became mission on Monday and we started to go after who God is calling us to go after. But if you don't believe me, then let me, let me just keep reading uh, this chapter of Scripture because God has said, hey, start giving them some props, but then I want you to tell them my problem with them and then I want you to tell them my preferences, and and now I I want to give you some promises, because, you know, God alliterates. So, um, look at what it says, um, because this is just so powerful. Isaiah 58, verse 8. This is so great. He says, then, if you live this way, your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear because you've been waiting on it your righteousness will go before you 
and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Come on, 2019. Verse 9 says, Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you continue to do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then... Your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. I want some of slash all of that. Verse 12, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. And they will raise up age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And I'm just telling you, if even a fraction of these words become real for us this year, we will get to the end of the year and say, hey, light broke through and we owned the year. He satisfied us. We <laughs> owned the year. And his healing came quickly. I love these promises attached to a church that is living on a mission, heading after the broken. Man, there are a number of them, but I'm going to pick some. And um, of course, we're going to alliterate um, these. But he, he talks about revival. I love this picture because if you're like me, we've been waiting for revival. We've been longing for revival. We've been praying for its light to break through. And you've heard us say, we believe in 2019, as we start to walk through these doors, he will start to break through. And we've been praying for revival and we've been saying, God, why don't you move? And God is saying, I'm waiting on y'all. But I love this revival idea that the testimony of Jesus will become impossible to miss. Like the noon day, thousands in your community will awaken to the face of Jesus. And I, I, I want all of that. And even if just that, I will feel like we owned the year. Talks about restoration that I will mend things in you and I will mend things through you and I will mend things around you that were previously unmendable. You will be part of my means of restoration and healing will quickly appear. And it's almost like you've had healing. Some of you have had healing, but it's, it's been standing at a distance, just peeking around the corner. And the minute you start to step in towards the broken, it will come rushing in your direction. You better watch out as it comes chasing after you. This was true, by the way, in the early church. We will read Acts chapter 2, and we'll read passages in the early church, and we, <laughs> we will even pray, God, we want you to move in the miraculous ways in which you moved in the early church. In the book of Acts, I'm like, keep reading, though. In the book of Acts, the early church was in the streets with the hurting and the broken, and they shared what they had in common so no one was in need, and the miracles accompanied the mission. And I'm telling you, it's as we start to move into the broken places that we're going to need certain miraculous moves of God. 
to see things restored, to see things brought together. I love what he says even about reputation, that your righteousness will go before you. Your reputation will become like this key that, that unlocks doors and places of favor and influence. And where your community is like, we don't know much about uh, you all, but we are floored by your concern for the hurting and the broken. And we are floored by your weird, like, adoption happy church. And it's like, I don't even know whose kids belong to who at that strange church. We don't understand it but your reputation goes before you. And I love this statement that, 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 that you will be the rebuilders. You will be known as the rebuilders of, of broken things. That's so powerful, especially in our time. Because come on, church, stop it already. With this move in the church in which we are legitimately looking to the government to be the restorer of broken things, to be the ones who fix things. And God is saying, heaven is not looking at the government. Heaven is looking at y'all. And the community around us should know it's the church that God is using to rebuild what was broken. And I love that. Your reputation is going to start to go before you. And where our reputation goes, the name of Jesus grows. And, and he talks about refuge. And it's almost this idea that if you fight for the hurting, I will fight for you. I will fight for you. But if we get involved with injustice, though, um, won't we put our, our, our own safety at risk? Which is one of the reasons we're like, oh, but man, if we get it and we start, to, uh, we start to help people who are being mistreated, then that might kind of ricochet on us a little bit. And I love what God says. Yeah, 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 yeah. I promise if you go, I'll guard. If you go, I'll be, my glory will be your security detail. And these are realities, by the way, we often don't know about because we don't take the kinds of risks that warrant the glory of God as our security detail. But as you start to go into these dark and broken places, I will be your guard again. We can continue to look to the government to be our protection. But we have an infinitely better option. This is what keeps us safe as we go after the hurting. But if we go after the hurting, won't, don't we get put at risk? We may, which is why I love what God says. Um, resources. He talks about resources. I love that. Um, I will provide for you in a sun-scorched Land. I suffer from a, a scarcity mentality um, that often says, but if I give away stuff and if I give away time, will I have enough though? But won't I lose some and I, I won't have enough to, to uh, that's a little bit scary. And I, I, I love this promise where God says, if you sacrifice, I will supply. In fact, even if there are wildfires, even if the economy completely tanks and it is a sun-scorched land, I will get resources to you to supply you to ensure that you can continue to sacrifice. He says, I will satisfy you as you go. 
And I love this because I often make resolutions and I often stay reserved from the mission of God because I'm trying to either build up these things, my resources, my safety, my protection, and all of those things. And God is saying, if you roll with me, I will take care of these things. And he speaks about responsiveness. And he says, oh man, your prayers will be accelerated. And you will know my presence in new ways. And I will show up and you will not be able to miss me. Because it feels at times like, man, sometimes God shows up and, and other times he doesn't. And I, you will be aware of my presence as you continue to step in this direction. And it, of course, it makes sense. Jesus said this to his disciples um, on the Mount of Ascension when he was heading back to heaven. He says, hey, go and take my gospel into the world, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. There's something about his promised presence that's almost accentuated where people are on the go in his mission. God addresses almost anything that we would raise as a reason why we don't want to get our hands dirty, or reasons why we don't want to enter in and help the hurting and the broken. And uh, I believe this year is already owned. We just need to step into it. I believe this will be a year of provision and, and protection, and this will be a year of his presence in new and phenomenal ways for us as we continue to say yes to him and step in. And for those of you crazy people, because there are teams of you who have been waging war against spiritual oppression in our community, and you've been surrounding broken places and just praying down heaven to bring light and life. And I, I'm looking forward to the ways he will even in the spiritual realm start to push things back and bring about answered prayers in accelerated ways. I am looking forward to 2019, y'all. I'm just saying. Jesus is showing us that this is how he wants us to take this year, to own this year. So you've heard us talk about some of the practical things that looks like for all of us as a church, that we as a church, we're partnering with a number of organizations that Jesus has uh, directed us towards. And um, we cannot wait to together figure out what does it look like to be a blessing and an encouragement and, and to go alongside and to serve alongside some of these um, organizations. And uh, the reason we are, are partnering with these um, organizations is because they take worship to the streets and worship becomes mission. And we are saying with about, man, the 300 or so of you who said uh, at the end of last year, count us in. Count us in. We want you to know we are committed. You hit the streets, we're hitting the streets with you. We will serve and we will give and we will connect and we will be part of carrying the, the love of Jesus. And we want you to make no mistake about the fact that you can count us in. But the reason we are all together partnering with these um, man, organizations is because these are uh, organizations that are, man, they are fighting injustice. Um, these are organizations that are feeding the hungry. These are organizations that are freeing the oppressed. 
these are organizations that are saying we will fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. We will fight for the unborn and the orphan and the vulnerable child. And we will continue to come alongside those we believe Jesus would come alongside. And so we cannot wait to see what the Lord will do as we walk through these doors. Uh, some simple practical things um, to kind of get us going. Um, number one, I'd encourage all of you um, to go to the website. Go to our website, um, missionpoint.net uh, slash mission. Because man, um, this page right now becomes kind of this landing page. And if you want to get to know our partners, we have all of our partners on that page. And you can actually link from that page to their pages. And you can get to know them. Who are they? What are they about? And we believe that as you start to get to know our partners, that, that you will find yourself maybe drawn to certain ones as a family or as an individual, as roommates. And you're saying, well, can, can we give extra attention to this? And, and can we make, you know, maybe part of our cross-cultural experience Experience something with this group because this resonates with us, but would encourage you, go to the website, check it out, um, use that as a portal through which you can get to know um, some of our, our different partners. And um, on that uh, site as well, uh, you'll find a monthly newsletter, and that monthly newsletter is going to focus on a different partner each month. Uh, so it kind of brings them into focus, and you can get to know them that way. But something else I'm excited about for the newsletter is the newsletter is also going to help you. Because we can talk about what we want to do as a church, but when it's all said and done, what are the hurting and the broken things that Jesus is putting in front of you? And we want to be able to help you this year to ask the question, how can I take worship to the streets in the sphere in which I personally live. And uh, I love that this newsletter is just going to give you all kinds of ideas like, we can do that. I can totally do that. And that it will start to take us in a very intentional uh, direction. So head to the website. Um, visit the mission corner. Head to the mission corner, which is, you know, you can't miss it as you head out the main doors. But again, even as soon as next week, we'll have some of our partners coming to the mission corner, and they'll be literally standing there, and you can be like, you are real. Thank you so much for allowing us to partner with you in taking his grace and his love to the streets. But so I would encourage you, stop by uh, the mission corner, and if a mission partner is there, get to know them a little bit. Uh, it'll be a place where you can grab resources and just continue to be armed for what he's calling us to be about and do this year. And um, I'm so stoked about this magnet. Um, this goes home with you. So on your way out, make sure you stop by and see Angie or see Kira at one of the doors and take one of these magnets. This is, these are your partners, y'all. Um, these are the folks that we want you to get to know and we want you to, to pray for so that when you look at three strands on there, you're like, 
I'm praying for street strands because I went onto the website and I get to know what they're doing and they're helping bring medical relief to kids in Haiti and medical relief to, to those in the Central African Republic. They are pushing back the darkness and I, I know who they are and I, I, I want to, to pray for them. Or, um, you know, I want to pray for Design Outreach because they are bringing clean water to places that had no access to clean water and their whole economy and their whole way of life is changing and kids' lives are being saved. And I want to pray for them. I want to get to know them and just... I want to look at Heartline because they are speaking for the unborn and supporting the families who are saying yes to life. I want to pray for them. So we want you to take this home so you, your kids, your families, your, your roommates, whoever else uh, can become more acquainted with your partners. And you can pray for them um, and just see what the Lord might stir in you as you do that. So please grab one of these. Even if you're a guest with us and you're like, I, I'm flying back to Timbuktu on Tuesday. Great. Fly with one of these and uh, pray for what the Lord is doing here at Mission Point as you think about it. Um, team, you guys can come on out. We're, we're going to sing uh, one more song. And I love this song, um, by the way, in the sense that it reminds us about the lavish love of Jesus, because when it's all said and done, here's the truth. The truth is we were oppressed by sin and darkness, and Jesus did not turn his face from us. He came and he unshackled us and he set us free and then he filled our empty souls with life and he filled our empty souls with joy. Of course, we want to figure out what it looks like to stand with and help break the chains of oppression in our world. Of course, we want to figure out what it looks like to feed the hungry because we are the recipients of that kind of love. And when we go to the streets, it's simply grateful folks who've been changed by the active love of Jesus Christ doing the same for others. And we get to show his gospel, get to show his love. And I look forward to talking about ways that we look forward to sharing the message that accompanies the actions of love. And so, Father, thank you for inviting us to be part of Jesus' hands and his feet to the hurting and the broken. Thank you for reaching out to us when we were hurting and we were broken. And I pray, Lord, for, for many of us who are feeling our brokenness, uh, are feeling our own chains even this morning, I pray that there would be a release of your Spirit's power to unshackle every chain. I pray for those who may be struggling even with sickness in this space this morning, that somebody in this room this morning would testify that you shifted something and they are experiencing healing. I pray for those who are maybe in the midst of, of broken relationships that you would bring a restoration and they would know that you did something magnificent in their world in their time. So I pray that your light would break forth in and among your people and that we would carry that light out and into the darkness. Thank you for the ways you have given this year to your people and help us to step into it and live obediently saying yes in the great and powerful name of the one who has loved us, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.